Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's Curious Anarchy. We're here with another episode of Curious News. I'm your host, Jermaine, aka Curious, and I'm joined by the wonderful and amazing Marky, aka Content. How are you? I'm great. It's really, really cool to hear your voice. It's like, uh, I feel like I'm in my own personal version of Desert Island Disc. I've got a, a smooth, relaxed, talking sort of host who's kind of in, enjoy i can enjoy for the next sort of x amount of time so thank you very much for allowing me to to journey through the the path of curious anarchy with you only this time you get to engage instead of even better a little bit more interactive even better (laughs) wonderful okay so um as the uk nation has been portrayed throughout this week uh, by its leader Boris Johnson. There's been some further developments there of which we will come to shortly but we wanted to just just take a trip something like four or five thousand miles sort of southeast um, of the UK um, to a little island called Sri Lanka. Mark would you like to fill the listeners in? Yeah, um, Sri Lanka um, has been going through huge economic problems. I, I mean, I think it's fair to say lots of countries are going through that right now. But the situation is getting quite critical out there. And um, I know, for example, that the president had approached Russia in hoping to get sort of some oil from Russia. Uh, and I just think they've been struggling to negotiate their path through the economic crisis. Now, we know that a lot of these countries are held hostage to the World Bank and the uh, International Monetary Fund, so they, they don't have a lot of leeway. Um, but Level, it's pretty, I think it's a word. Yeah, thank you. But the, yeah. the, 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 there's a lot of poverty and a lot of huge inflation going on there. And it reached a point where, over the weekend, the people of Sri Lanka have been protesting uh, I think it's put the, the army and the police in a weird situation because they've sort of had to fire on the population to stop them uh, taking over sort of lots of places, and they've been in two minds about it because they understand the, the you know the struggle that people are going through. Um, unlike a lot of police who kind of get um, closeted from all that stuff, they they right in the middle of it, and their families and friends are going through it. So. You know, I think they understand it. Anyway, so the, the, the weekend has been uh, lots of scenes of uh, the population taking over the president's um, palace, swimming in his swimming pool, setting fire to his building, and refusing to leave until they get some a change of change of regime and a change of uh, economic um, direction. Wow! So that's how it stands at the moment. That's quite amazing. That's quite an amazing thing, and, and the, the fact that the police and the army are in a situation where they don't really know how to respond, <laughs> so, yeah. so it's just been allowed to happen. It's, it's kind of like there's a there's a there's a harmony. There's there's a, there's a as uh, Bob Marley said, there's a natural mystique. Flowing yes, yes, yeah. Um, the the. There's a few countries, like for example in Hong Kong, where where on the one hand there's orders to carry out, but on the other hand there's an understanding of your friends and family are going through, and so there's a kind of like you'll see people firing uh, plastic bullets at the crowd, and then two minutes later talking to them, 
and it's mm. like real confusion as to what role they really want to be playing. Mm. Uh, and the other side you've got is sort of the president's palace has been taken over. We don't know where the president is. I'm sure some of the army and police probably wonder if he's actually going to come back because kind of would you? If you saw your building being taken, you know, set fire to and people in your swimming pool, I'm not sure how much impetus you'd have to come back and try and restore normality to that situation. And also, mm. what would you be offering the crowd as your next step? <laughs> That's the question. That is it's a big question, question because they are, they are tied into the world economy. So obviously, you're kind of limited as how many resources you can use to get out of that situation other than borrowing, which is like, you know, all around the world, governments try not to borrow, but they're finding they're going to have to because this situation isn't getting any easier. Mm. And and they'll blame it on COVID. They'll blame it on... on, on um, Brexit. And well, no, we're well, not necessarily Sri Lanka, won't, but um, they'll blame oh, right. it. On, um, they'll blame it on the war in Russia, for example, because it's changed uh, the fuel and the and the wheat sort of prices. Things. But 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 actually, the other thing about this is that capitalism is going through a uh, depression at the moment. Uh, inflation's riding high. People, lots of debt is rising. People haven't worked in some countries for a long time, and so there, there is a shortfall and. What normally happens is capitalism props up the bankers and the capitalists and the and the business owners and things like that. And now we're seeing a situation where the, the rest of the population is saying, well, what about us? Mm. And I think Sri Lanka is the um, icing on the cake of that discussion, if you like, because what, what happens there probably will follow in other places afterwards because mm. everyone's going to be going through it. And unless there's some solutions from somewhere, you know, like, for example, I don't. I mean, given what's been happening on the weekend, I don't think we're looking at uh, any any stoppage to the war in, in Ukraine anytime soon. If anything, it's probably going to get harder. So that again creates a problem because if people were hoping that in six months oil and, and wheat might start coming back online, that's probably not going to be the case. And then every sort of couple of months, the world community puts more sanctions on Russia. And then Russia's going to be turning around saying, well, we're not in a hurry to give you any oil or, or wheat or anything. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Hmm. And a bit of a I sticky think... situation to be in there. Say that again? A bit of a sticky situation to be in. For whom? For Sri Lanka. I mean, to, having to go to Russia, yeah. who, you know, oh. is in one of the most potentially... Uh, numerous um, and vivid kind of demonstrations of a violation of human rights, you know, crimes against humanity. I think a lot of countries around the world uh, who are impoverished will more and more turn to places like Russia and China to mm. find some kind of solution. I don't know if it's a solution they want. I don't know if they have any choices. The other alternative is borrowing from the World Bank, which comes at a very, very extreme um, cost in the long term of things so it's like getting one of those payday loans <laughs> very good example very good example yeah. um and and so we i think the best we can do is we can watch sri lanka and see what what, what happens there and how if at all it affects other places because mm. mm. we know for certain that other countries even in, in europe certain countries are going through hardships now and 
it's getting harder and harder and they're nowhere near the end of sort of the economic year or the problems in with covid and and, and russia yeah. so watch this space i think uh, i mean i'd kind of like to stay in asia if we can for the moment jermaine all right okay because what happened in japan was quite significant as well because mainly significant because it doesn't normally happen so the ex prime minister of japan was canvassing for the present prime minister and a 40 year old man picked up a gun and shot him dead now you know we could say in a lot of countries that's probably something we wouldn't be too surprised about but in japan the the, the whole sort of respect your elders and respect mm. the sort of like role in in society of people like your leaders the culture normally that does, it doesn't normally happen mm. <coughs> and so it stands out a mile because it's someone who had already led the country had stepped down and now was just going around to help his party and someone took umbrage with him i don't know why i'm not sure what the story is but it's it needs to be pointed out how first of all how that's a new story but secondly um in contrast to a lot of places where we would be not surprised if that happened it is quite surprising it, it's still a shock to the system that japan doesn't normally behave in that manner any thoughts on that jermaine it's interesting because it's even having the idea knowing the kind of world that we live in the kind of environment that we live in um you know you and i both opposite ends of london but very much still the uk very yeah. still england um in a i don't know of any um occurrences like this taking place other than maybe the significant ones so you know like the jfk's and the martin luther king's and like those people who have been shot well we had it in the uk we had it in the uk with joe cox uh, yes labor yes. labor politician and we also had it with that there was a tory one about three Wasn't months it jill, jill dando or something no no that was Why something that name ring a bell no she was a news reporter who was they think someone put an, a professional hit on her so she was actually yeah. killed in her home but that i mean that was a shock obviously but we, we were talking more about politicians yeah yeah they're kind of like the closest that i can really think well we had of two politicians one of we, labor and one of conservatives if you remember someone in i think it was south end oh, uh, uh, thank you sir david mm. i think i think so we've had two um they weren't particularly well-known politicians but even still that was fairly unknown for that to yeah. happen i um, mean you, you think about it it's like your local polit- that happening to your local politician it doesn't matter whether they're you know on in no, the cabinet or no, know, no, no. backbencher they're still somebody but but in japan this is the equivalent of someone shooting um for example David Cameron it's quite a big mm-hmm. thing it wasn't, it wasn't a local mp this was a, a former leader of the country mm-hmm. and it comes out of out of context of everything else that's going on there if you know what I mean so it's not like there was a crisis going on you know there was some well we're not aware of any of the predeterminants that came to that happening yeah yeah what's that noise you mean yeah, it's just a bit of background noise oh lovely 
Okay. Um, yeah, certainly the background noise there. Um, so that's an important story. I just wanted to uh, bring it up. I also wanted to bring up the number 15 for you. If I may. Huh? Wanted to bring up the number 15. Okay. Interesting. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is two incidents that happened over the weekend where 15 people were murdered in different countries. And I suppose it, it reflects our different responses to the background to those murders. So, for example, in Soweto, the biggest township in South Africa, mm-hmm. some, gun, some gunman walked into a bar and assassinated 15 people at random. A bit like, a bit like what happened um, in America in a lot of places. But I know that in South Africa, it's, it's like very high rates of murder in, in certain parts of the country. There's a certain lawlessness and, and sort of uh, murder sort of that goes on. A bit like when people used to talk about the knife crimes that happen in the UK. So there's a certain lawlessness about within some of the communities. Yeah. yeah. The police were nowhere to be seen and no one knows why it happened. Now I wanted to contrast that with 15 people that died in a block of flats in the Ukraine from a Soviet missile that hit it, a direct hit. And the people that died, as you can imagine, were just children and, and, and uh, families, not all fighters or anything like that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, just, a, a, you know, groups of families that lived in that, that block of flats. Um, so, kind of reflecting on, it was interesting that, that the same number passed in both places. And the, perhaps a different way we look at or, or try and understand the logic of why it happened or the illogic of why it happened, let's say. Any thoughts, Jermaine? I don't think there really is any... <sighs> There's nothing that really strikes for me in terms of, like, why would someone do that? Um, again, I, I think that, <clears throat> as with America, it's always these kind of senseless killings. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's it's often I mean, we, as well. We we say with America, but we have to remember that we have a problem on our streets in the UK where kids often pursuing a life of dreams that may not, what may or may not be realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an awful lot of crime, uh, violent crime that goes on amongst kids um, mm-hmm. under the, the sort of like the supposed headline of postcodes and things like that. But in reality, it's more to do with uh, accumulating some levels of esteem and finance so i mean it is a world problem but what's interesting is in both cases what struck me was the complete um lack of a specific target if you know what i mean this these were like almost spraying a bunch of bullets somewhere and and seeing who it hits in both cases in right in the ukraine one and in the uh so I tell one. Um, I mean, again, like this, for when you said the Soviet missile, is that what they're calling it? 
it. Well, it was from a, a rocket from from Russia um, to do with the war. It was in the Donbass region, and uh, but it, you know, what much like the attack in the Bath, it it feels like there these are not smart weapons. They're not aimed at specific places where fighters mm. are. It's aimed at anything they can fire at. Mm. Um, and so, when like I think of war and it's it's very strange war like yeah the things that those like the the technicalities behind how it well i guess how it kind of would typically kind of play out um but in terms of um like this the civilians as you might call them the the everyday public the joe blocks and jane blocks um there's usually some sort of protocol with okay like you've got X amount of time to clear the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, new targets, you'd have a warning, and then you'd be able to clear them out. And clearly, that doesn't seem to be happening. Or no, those messages don't no, seem to it be doesn't. I, I don't know. You know. I, I'm also struck, Jermaine, how there always seems to be money for wars and, and for weaponry. Mm. Mm. In both cases, people were able to get their hands on weapons, perhaps much easier than they are to get their hands on more basic necessities of life yeah and it reminds me of it reminds me of in 1917 when the other forms of government failed in russia when lenin took over uh, under the russian revolution mm-hmm. russia was still involved in the first world war and they signed a treaty with all the countries involved in the first world war both sides saying we're not a war and we're not a peace And what they said was, we don't want to spend any more money on any of this nonsense. We want to spend it on food and resources for the people. And we hope that your people will copy and do the same. So they kind of had an open declaration to the world to say, stop spending it on those things, spend it on the necessities that people really need. Mm. And then so for Lenin, the idea was that the revolution would spread across the world and uh, priorities would change. Mm-hmm. But no, no, I don't want to get into that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just comparing that with what we've just been speaking about. That's all I want to do. Mm. I mean, that we can do that in another session. But I'm just saying for now, all I want to do is compare and contrast the okay. yeah. the the importance of weaponry against the importance of what do we say in Sri Lanka? Fuel and food and heat and housing, the preservation of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah compared to the destruction of yeah absolutely that's a great way of putting it. i really appreciate that yeah and, and it probably brings us on to the candidates that are lining up to take over from boris johnson because what's interesting is again their priorities are not the preservation of life all they're talking about is the economic struggle to advance the uk so we've had like in the UK, we've had something like 12 years of Tory austerity, sort of not having any money for anyone, except for bankers and big business. Mm. And to spend it on things like medication that never arrived during the, the, the COVID, or to give a billion pounds to the Ukrainian forces. But but everyone the the spent on apps yeah. to try and track and yeah, trace yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 what's interesting is not no, none of them are offering a prescription for how 
the poorer people in society. You know, we're talking about huge numbers, the biggest number of food banks we've ever had in this country. And, and lots of people that are in full-time permanent work still have to go to food banks. Mm. I'm not hearing any solution to that at all from any of the candidates. All they're talking about is stuff like, well, we can't, we can't spend more money on the on on the poor because that will be like borrowing more money, and therefore we'll have bigger debts, and there will be no solution. And like I say, when it comes to buying weapons, that never gets up as an argument. It never becomes the central force of argument. Going well, we can't afford to do that. We should uh, we should stop borrowing money because otherwise it's just a, a cycle of borrowing more money. So so what will happen is they'll spend money on the wrong things. We'll have even greater austerity, and people will have another ten years of absolute sort of like hardships. And they have the cheek to say that we don't have the skills or we need better skills in money management. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and also they'll the say... The audacity of it. Well, they'll also say things like, look, we'd love to have a, a simple solution now, but we have to go for the long haul. Because very few of them, very few of the candidates, have the faintest idea of what working class people have to live what conditions they have. When you contrast like the, the situation we had with Marcus Rashford, the Manchester United footballer who, who was arguing for the poor to have, you know, free food during the holidays for their children. Very few of these people were involved in this, what do we call it? Um, race for leadership. Very few of them have any idea what the poor go through. Very few have spent any time whatsoever with the poor. Hmm. And and um, I'm not sure what solutions we can expect from them, given that statement. And, and one thing we have to say, even going back 20 years, politicians used to work before they went into into politics. And most of these people have come out of universities, gone straight to city jobs, and haven't got the first, first idea about what it's like to be in poverty. I mean, I heard today. Um, What's his name? Hunt. What's it? What's Hunt's first name? Jeremy. Jeremy Hunt. He was talking about how he became a self-made business businessman of a, of a of a business that has a million pounds. And you think, where where's the bit that you were struggling? Remind me again. <laughs> you know, I mean, where is the bit that you're struggling? Sorry, I'm struggling. And he's saying, no, but I'm really in touch. I understand. I mean, you know, ask me how I started my business, and it's like. It's like Trump going, oh, I've got two billion pounds, but I worked hard. You didn't work hard for it. Your dad gave it to you. I mean, it's, these are not people that understand the hardships. Now, they'll say something like Boris does every now and again that wins people over that they want to follow them. But actually, they've got no earthly understanding of what people are going through. They wouldn't have the first clue about what to do with a, with a food bank, for example. Not the first clue. Or how difficult it is to get housing. Not a clue. These are people that own private property in the in the land. You can't even get onto their land in those cases. Like I, I was thinking about this the other day, um, just as you mentioned this, being able to send money to offshore to some offshore banks. <laughs> yeah. offshore, like, imagine, like, why would you do that? Well, it's interesting that you have a situation, I mean, I'm going to talk about just one individual because I know about his case, uh, Jimmy Carr, the comedian. Mm. He, he has got, he earns over a million pound a year. And 
he pays no tax in this country because it all goes to an offshore account. And you think there's two things wrong with that. First of all, you know, the disparity between what other people earn and what you earn. And if you work harder than most of them, probably not. And secondly, you're not paying tax. That means that things like hospitals and roads don't get dealt with because you're not putting your money into it. And yet you're taking full advantage of it. And the reason you can do all this is because there's loopholes. That's the only reason. And you think, you know, the content, if you contrast, like, for example, today they were talking about that Boris Johnson had met with a Soviet uh, KGB um, guy. You know, the one we've spoken yeah. about, you and I. Lebedev. Yeah. But he met him without anyone else around. He didn't tell anyone that he had that meeting. Mm. This was a guy that was the foreign secretary. I mean, how, imagine if, I mean, it may well have been the case, I don't know if it was or not, but imagine if it was the case that the guy was trying to, was corrupt and wanted to corrupt Boris. Mm, mm. Where's, the, where's the safety net? Here? That's, the, that's the, the serious security breach there. Hugely security. Surely. Huge. Because, you, you think, know, you think about one of your... If the, if that was a an actual war situation, you're going into behind enemy lines to go and meet with the enemy, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's very much... Yeah, right. Security. And also, not just that, Greg. I mean, no one in the military or no one in the MI5 or whatever can do that. You can't exactly. have a, a, an open range to go and do that stuff. So, uh, I spoke to you last week about when Boris was caught in that compromising situation in the House of Parliaments with, with at the time, his, the woman he was having an affair with. Now, if she'd have been Russian or had links to Russia, where's the safety here? You know, you see so many James Bond films where the whole point is to try and corrupt him by having these affairs with these women. And yeah. you think, where was the, where was the thing? Like, no, but the, like, if it had been the head of MI5 or the head of the military, they'd have been fired on the spot. Mm. Boris just bumbles his way into it. And in both these occasions, who knows what that has opened the door to? Because we know, for example, that one thing that came out of him meeting with the, with the KGB guy is that his son is now a lord in in the house of lords yeah yeah and, and speaking of that um there have been a number of people who have been put forward to be ha- uh, the new house what, what do you call it the new members of the house of lords um nadine dorries um is one of them right. um, i mean yeah. first of all this is ridiculous archaic system where when you read when you finish as prime minister you can nominate people to be for the, for the uh, medals awards list whatever you know so they can get mbes and OBs. it's like with trump trump could pardon people when he was on his way out and you think how does that kind of work so a lot of people do some really messed up stuff and you pardon them and it's the same thing here people can get a knighthood or something because boris is has been corrupt and kicked out of office. It's like, what? Excuse me? How's that work exactly? Um, now, that includes putting people in the House of Lords. But, you know, there's still this thing that... Like, we had an attack on British soil by f- Russian foreign agents who poisoned people in Salisbury. And we've, we've sort of, like, throwing the book at people like Avramovich who own Chelsea Football Club. And yet there are still these Russians hanging around and doing deals with the Tory party. And the Tory party still gets two million a year from the, from the Russians. Mm. 
How is this not accountable? It's amazing when you've got that kind of money to be able to have leverage. Well, we're, we're, in theory, we're in war with Russia. How is this not accountable on any level? Absolutely. I just don't understand yeah. it. And it's like the thing with Trump. Trump always said if he was in power, we wouldn't be having this war in Russia now. Because he was so in the Russians' pocket, it would have been peace at all costs. Even if it meant giving up Ukraine. How's that acceptable? How's that acceptable? I just don't understand the... You know, it's almost like, well, money is more important than any of these things that we're talking about. So as long as business can carry on, forget all that. I just find it amazing. I find it amazing that it's double standards, like the thing with the offshore accounts thing. It's, it's such double standards. I mean, you know, the old people in this country that fought in the war, and, and, and listen, anyone listening in, I'm pretty certain it'll be the same in your country as well. If someone's over 80 in your country, they probably were involved in the Second World War. They played some role in it. And they've worked all their lives to save their money. Um, they pay tax on all the money they worked for. Then they retired and got a pension, and they pay tax on the pension. And then if they pass away and they leave anything to their children, they're going to pay death duty on that as well. So three taxes on one income that they had, or someone else could just put it in an offshore account and not pay a penny. And we're okay with this. I'm beginning to see why people in Sri Lanka are storming the palace. Any thoughts, Jay? I'm not sure if... Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if... Uh, <laughs> we're absolutely not inciting or inviting anybody to storm the Houses of Parliament or Downing Street, but uh, I, you I... may be in for a bit of a shock. I I would always assume that people who listen to us are far too intelligent to just if we say jump off a cliff they would just jump off a cliff I'd like to think there's some planning and thought thought into anything they do so I just want we, to be clear I, well, I'm hoping we don't have kind of Boris Johnson supporters who, who believe in everything he does regardless of what he does uh, I'd like to think our, our audience is a bit more thoughtful about how and when they would plan to do anything so um, it'd be interesting if we did though. I mean, I always was taught to go by the method of Kesara Sarah. What will be will be. Um every action has a reaction and and the world at the moment is creating lots of actions for which there will be reactions. Mm. But if you're listening out there and it's going to be sunny tomorrow, I hope you have a sunny and lovely day and your your family and yourselves are in good health and that you're finding curious anarchy as a way of life so that you don't have to just tolerate and go along with any nonsense that your leadership or anywhere you are in the world tries to give you. And if it's not going to be sunny where you are? There was always sunshine in your heart. <laughs> if you're listening to Curious Anarchy I love it I love it that's a wonderful uh, ending um, mm, it's been an interesting one it's been an interesting one um, and for anyone who was watching the tennis today go on Jermaine come on Jermaine <laughs> great 
Concentrate, concentrate. Concentrate, um, focus, be the ball. It's been a wonderful little exploration, a little walk down this path uh, this evening. Um, I wonder. We have some uh, another love triangle coming um, yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Um, that and one's a couple of weeks to look out for as an well. Interesting um, one where we're going to be exploring our top or best uh, eleven football um, of, of all time. Of all time, so. Yeah way back from the beginning of football right through to the modern day um yeah. and so we may have some very peculiar pairings <laughs> <laughs> um, and placements so yeah that's going to be an interesting one so look out for that and it's also going to include some background so there'll be a bit of a story as to why yeah being chosen and yeah. uh, all of that um Mark, it's been a pleasure. Um, I really would like to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. And if, if you're like me, if you're one of our audience, you probably find Jermaine Gregory's voice the equivalent of a gentle, warm bowl of soup. And I hope you've enjoyed another session where he's express, explored that with you. So keep, be careful out there and keep positive, keep your faith in a better future. Keep the faith indeed. Thank you very much for that, Mark. It's been uh, much appreciated. We are going to end the show now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.